You're listening to The Optical Entrepreneur, brought to you by Optical Success Academy and Seiko. Henry Evans is an author and entrepreneur with extensive background in business, management, marketing and sales, and he's successfully sold millions of dollars worth of products and services to clients such as the FBI, the Executive Office of the President of the United States, Southwest Airlines, Wells Fargo, and down to hundreds of small businesses. Henry made the leap to entrepreneurship while working just one hour per day because that was all the time he had. And Henry's lessons and expertise are super relevant for practice owners who need to make the leap from busy optometrist to entrepreneurial owner of the business, um, usually with very limited time available. So Henry will show you how you can get more freedom from your practice and actually achieve better results while working less, not more. This is Connor Heaney. Welcome to another episode of The Optical Entrepreneur. So welcome, Henry. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Connor. Excellent. And uh the, I love your book. I love the title of the book, particularly the the Ira Day Entrepreneur, because all of the uh, optometrists and practice owners I work with and speak to, they struggle for time. So you know, the title alone just jumps out as being something that's really relevant for anyone running a, a, a busy practice today. Um, so I got a, lot, a bunch of questions I want I wanted to ask you about, but maybe can you start just quickly with your background and maybe what brought you to write this book? Sure, happy to. So, I started off in the in the commercial real estate world and did that out of out of school, and um, was really fun and enjoyed it. But always had a, a love of technology and high tech. So I moved over into software and um, had some good success there. And uh, we sold the company and then started um, a company on the side while I was working at another job and. Um, Really, one of my friends is like, he's like, hey, man, you're like the hour a day entrepreneur because you're working an hour a day on your job. So I would work all day at my daytime job, mm-hmm. come home, spend time with my wife and my and my young kids, and then work for an hour a day, usually from nine to 10. So that's how I kind of started the entrepreneurial side of things. And um, now I'm heavily involved in the SaaS space and heavily involved in the marketing space still and love everything about time management. So it's... Uh, it's been a fun journey, um, both being an entrepreneur and being an employee and getting to experience both of those uh, and, you know, the, the pros and cons of both. Yeah, uh, well, it sounds great. And it, I think the, to connect the dot for our listeners, a lot of the time, like when, for us as optometrists, we go to school and become a qualified optometrist. And often, you know, you will open your own practice or buy a practice. So you, you have both. You have the job of I'm an optometrist, I'm seeing patients all day, but I'm also expected to somehow run a business, lead the team, do the marketing, and you know we haven't had that training. So I think that's the, the connection here that fits so well with, with your story. And for us, it's the journey from optometrist to entrepreneur. That's um, right. I, um, I, and my story is, uh, there's a couple of similarities that I saw that resonated with me as, as I read your book. You mentioned your journey started by reading a book uh, by Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, and I actually, I, that was the first book I read in, in kind of the, 
the world of business or personal development, whatever you want to call it. But I, so I qualified as an optometrist, worked for a year and then thought, you know, there must be more to life. Um, and I went to Australia, worked in Australia for a year as an optometrist to kind of figure out what do I want to do. And my dad literally handed me that book as I was getting on the plane and said, here's, you know, this kind of book might help you think about what you want to do. And that was what planted the seed for me. Um, so I really, I what really like a great it. gift from your dad. That's, that's wonderful. That's yeah, really nice. It was a, it was a great little first step. Um, but for someone that's maybe just starting out, I'm sure if, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you have an awareness and an interest to improve and learn more about, you know, being an entrepreneur and running your practice and your business. But what would you say, Henry, to the person who is too busy? I want to change, um, but uh, I want to have more control over my time and my life and my practice. But, I, you know, where do I find the time? I don't have the time. Too busy already. Because that's a huge hurdle. You know, what advice do you have? That's a huge hurdle. And, and a lot of people have that. And those are the people, quite honestly, Connor, that need time management the most <laughs> when you don't have any time to actually stop and manage your time. Um, a couple things there that I recommend, actually, I was having a meeting with a, with a, with a friend of mine yesterday who's kind of having the same exact issue. And fundamentally, I recommend that you track every hour of your day if you've never done that in 15 minute increments. So if you haven't done this exercise, it's extremely eye-opening because you're gonna find, oh, I watched you know three TV shows back to back or binge watching is the new phrase. Oh, I spent time on Facebook for you know 45 minutes. Oh, I spent time you know doing something that could have been outsourced or delegated to somebody else. And what I recommend is you go back and look at your week you're going to find those things. There's going to be some things you're going to want to circle and you're going to want to delete them completely. And social media might be one of those. And then there's going to be things you can circle on there. For example, doing your taxes might be something that you can outsource to somebody else. I really like and am good at video editing, but I also know I can pay somebody $10, $15, $20 an hour to do video editing for me. And that can free up time for myself. So really getting diligent about understanding that you need time management, number one, and then number two, recording your time and finding specific areas with which to either delegate or delete tasks. And there's there's great apps too, if you happen to be in front of your computer, Rescue Time is one of them, but even just a old fashioned notepad where you're writing down everything you do in 15 minute increments for a week. Don't change what you're doing, do the same kind of week you do anyway, and uh, you'll be astonished how much time uh, is actually wasted and can be repurposed. Yeah, and and that's something you talk about a lot in the book. Of, you know, the strategies you just shared are great, and and there's more that you that you share in the book. And I and I think if, if time is the most important thing, and time is important to us, but so many people don't actually think about it consciously. And I think that's the great thing about an exercise like that. It makes you stop and look at where where are you spending the time. So yeah, I really like that answer. I think one of the bits of advice I give to practice owners as well is you sometimes have to think accurately about the value of time as well and realize uh, it's almost like the planting seed analogy. So I can either see another patient now, that's not really gonna make any difference to my business because it, you know, it's just another patient in the long list of patients we're seeing. But, or I could carve out an hour so that every week I'm meeting with my team or every week I'm, you know, thinking about my goals and my, 
and that are invested every week over a couple of years will produce great returns. The extra patient isn't really going to produce anything because they just would have booked in at another time. So I think how you think about and how you value your time so that you don't, you know, you use it the highest for the highest value purposes you can think of. Right. Yeah. Just a, just an interesting story in that, Connor. So I had, uh, I've actually had an optometrist client, but the example is actually a veterinary client. So they were a husband, wife team, veterinary business, um, three hospitals, and they started a new one right down the street from me. I'm in the, in the San Diego, California area. So right down the street from me, our dog was their very first client. Cause he's like, Hey, can you come over and write a review? And I'm like, of course. Um, so uh, we got our dog neutered as the very first thing that they did. So my dog never has forgiven me, but that's beside the point. And um, I was talking to them and they did a wonderful job. And you'll hear uh, Michael Gerber, the E-Myth, talk about this, this idea of working on your business versus in your business. And I remember talking, his name is Bob, Dr. Bob McCool. And you know his number one goal when he started that practice up, he is a veterinarian, um, was to hire another veterinarian to do the veterinary side of the business so that he can work on the business and specifically on the marketing. And I can tell you that they actually sold their businesses a, a, a little while back and had a, an extremely happy day for them. Um, as you can imagine, it was, a, it was a very happy day. But I just really admired him because that exact example you just gave, Connor, it's like I can see another client and I know that that's going to do X, but if I step back and work on the business and he specifically was looking to fire himself as a vet. Um, now, that might be a little extreme for some people to think that way, but I can tell you it worked out very well for them. This idea of he saw himself as a business owner, entrepreneur first and as a veterinarian second. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's a fantastic story. And I, um, it kind of goes back to your the outsourcing tip you gave a moment ago about look at what you're doing and find things that you can replace yourself with. And I, you know, I, I like the fact you phrased it as well because people want different things. And that's you talk about autonomy in your book. You want control of your life, so it should be your choice whether you see patients five days a week or one day a week, or whether you see them all day long or you just do a half day. But you can design it that way. If you start with the intention of, okay, what do I need to, you know, how do I need to replace myself? I, in my practice, that's the, I fell in, I was extremely passionate about optometry when I, when I graduated. Um, and I was excited about that before I really knew anything about business. But the more I find out about business, the more fulfilling I find that. So I replaced myself as the optometrist. So my practice that I still have today, I go in one day a week. My staff would probably... Uh, argue with if that fact is say, come on, Connor, you're barely in there like three hours. It's not a full day. So I go in one morning a week. It's probably the more. Um, and I run the team meetings and, and I'm working on the business for another day a week on the marketing and leadership and goals and, you know, evolving where we want to get to. And then that's for me created this opportunity to be able to share what we do with other optometrists. And I spend a couple of days uh, running Optical Success Academy, but I'm doing it from home. But the point is, you know, you can you can design it whatever way you want if you if you set out intentionally about that. And I guess how I got where I am today from where I was, because I was the guy that was in the practice six days a week doing all hours. Um, I got there in tiny little steps, bit yep. by bit by bit by bit. And I think sometimes that's something 
when you see someone that's been working at this for a while, it can be overwhelming to think, well, that's so far removed from what I, where I am that you can maybe not quite believe that it's possible for you, but you really just need to take the first little step and have that courage and then take the next step again. Just take the first step. And, and you know, one thing that I do, um, and I've actually got a client still today, she still does this and she's been very successful. She continues to track her time every week. So she's looking for improvement month to month, quarter to quarter, year to year. So in that same example you gave of what you've done, you're absolutely right. It's that, how do I get 1% better today or 1% better this week? What's the one thing I can take off my plate? Or what's the one ad I can put out to hire an office manager or another optometrist? What's that one thing I can do? And it's just those little incremental steps. Everybody thinks success happens in these huge chunks, and it's very rare. Most of the time it happens in all these little incremental wins and a successful hour, a successful day, a successful week, those add up to a successful career and a successful life. And, you know, life is made up of the now and the present. So don't be overwhelmed and, oh my gosh, look at what Connor's done. He's like completely replaced himself. He's working three hours a week now. And it's like, how do I ever get just one step, one little, what can you do this week? You know what? I'm going to not do billing anymore. I'm not going to do the insurance claims anymore. Or I'm going to see one less patient this week. Whatever it is, just those little incremental steps every week get better and better. And the time tracking keeps you very honest because there's nowhere to hide and you see it every week. Yeah. And I, I, what I, this was a happy side effect, but what I love about this approach as well is uh, it gives your staff and your team room to grow and they, they take responsibility. Their jobs become more exciting and oftentimes they end up doing it better over time than, than I would have done. And, you know, I joke about the fact the less, the less I go in, the better the practice does now. The better. Uh, That's right. Yep. I love it. That's great. See your staff step up. So it's not that you ignore this stuff and say, I'm not doing billing. Forget about it. it you have to give that to someone and, and coach them and help them help them get confident doing it. So That's right. Yeah. And, and the power of having other people do work on your behalf is just incredible and seeing them grow and change. It's extremely rewarding. And hiring and managing people, a lot of people don't like that. And um, I personally love it. And I think if you view that as a way towards freedom, you find great people that come in and can arguably do a better job than you at certain tasks. That's how to gain some true scale in your business and really allow you to have a much better lifestyle and have more time freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you said in, in your book, it's a, it's a well-worn path. There's lots of people that have made this happen in all kinds of industries. And you, know, you help so many clients in all walks of life. Um, but so to kind of go back to the, the contents of the book, to me, reading it, and I reread it again just this week, um, but I've had it on my shelf for many years. Um, the three things I think you talk about, I would sum up as number one is kind of learning, lifelong learning. You talk about how much difference books made to you and in investing in yourself. So that was number one. Number two is time management. And then number three is marketing and how critical that is and how critical it is to you know, understand the principles of marketing. So like all along as I'm reading the book, I'm nodding my head saying, yeah, these are the most important things. But could you maybe summarize why are those, why are those three subjects so important? That's great. I think about all the interviews I've done about this book and talking about it. Nobody's ever so succinctly kind of captured those three things in a row like you just did, Connor. But, but you're absolutely right. 
the first one really, if, if you go back to Stephen Covey in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he talks about this concept of sharpening the saw. And, you know, he said, if I have to, if I have to cut down a bunch of trees, I'm going to spend a lot of time sharpening my saw before I start cutting. And so this idea of making yourself better and improving yourself and really becoming the best version of yourself ultimately, um, that that is the lifelong learning piece. And so the only big difference between everybody who's listening to this right now and the same person you are a year from now is going to be what you read and exposed yourself to. Just listening to a podcast like this is going to be mind-opening for sure. Um, so what you exposed yourself, read, or listened to, and then the people that you met. Um, so those are just huge things. So that lifelong learning is just monstrously important in my mind, and uh, I always go back to that. And then the time management is, I mean, that's the one we've been talking the most about, but you know, taking control of your time, of your schedule, um, finding you know some of the tactics that we talked about, uh, it, it really is extraordinarily helpful to free up time. And if you're in the busyness and the mire all the time of your day-to-day work, it doesn't allow your, your conscious and your subconscious time to think. And so plugging in, one of the things I teach is called a, um, uh, I, I call it Henry's Beach Day. And it's, it's people that are just so in the mire and so stuck in the mud. And it works for people that don't. Anybody, if, if you want to do this, I highly recommend. I'll give you kind of the short version of it. You take three to four hours and you go somewhere where there's no electronics. I go to the beach because I'm in San Diego. You can go to the mountains. You can go to the park, somewhere in nature. And you spend as much time as it takes to squeeze the sponge out of your mind. All the ideas, you just journal them out, get them out of your head. And then you just sit in silence. If you're into prayer, you can pray. If you're into meditation, you can meditate. Just sit and all these ideas will start flowing to you on what to do. You're kind of getting in touch with you know God's source energy, whatever you want to call that. Um, so I find that's a critical thing to do is that time management allows you those things. And then I'm a huge marketer. I love everything about marketing. So if you can grow a business and understand those skills, um, I think that's uh, the most valuable skill you can have in any business is knowing how to grow it. Because if you have revenue and customers, you can pretty much work your way out of any other issue you might have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, we'll talk about marketing in a moment. As you said, it's, it is so important. Um, but if we talk about lifelong learning and improving yourself every day, which you is you know that's direct a direct quote from the book and i think that's so important today well it's always important but if what is going into your mind is coming from mainstream media uh you know the economy it's you know just politicians war it's if that's what you're feeding your mind you haven't really got much hope of you know making good stuff happen and why all you know all that stuff may actually be true and accurate although the media hype it up to an endless degree there's a lot of really positive stuff going on and there's certainly a lot of positive stuff that you could be doing in your practice if you think a little bit differently so you know reading these books listening to podcasts getting around what you expose yourself to is is so so important today and 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 even just for helping our teams like i'm consciously in our team meetings reminding my team of good stuff because I know they're getting in the ear from the mainstream news all the time. But anyway, back to my point, I'm an avid reader. I listen to a lot of stuff. I'm constantly, I'm reading every single day. 
uh, have been for years. But have you any habits or tips for someone that people haven't made that a habit yet? I don't, yeah, I don't really, you know, I don't really have time to read books or, yeah, I don't really get much time to sit down and listen. Any, any tips on that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Several tips on that, Connor. And, and you're, and you're spot on. And I can tell that you're, you're somebody who, who reads a lot like I do. And, and it is, it is a habit and it's hard for a lot of people. Um, the first thing you have to decide is what's your media of choice. I know some people that love to read a physical book. I like to do that. I know some people that love to listen. Uh, the guy I met last night, he just can't auditorily process. So he's not in the podcast. He's not in the listening. He much prefers to read. And then I know some people that want to have the visual stimulation along with the audio, which would be in a video format. So if I give you a book, do you prefer to watch a video on that book? Do you prefer to listen to a podcast on the book? Or do you prefer to read it? So find your media of choice. Everybody usually has one. And oftentimes, I've surveyed hundreds of people that I've spoken to about this, and I oftentimes ask this. It's almost a third, a third, a third. Um, it's fascinating. It's not everybody's all in one. So um, that's a really key thing. So once you know, hey, I love podcasts, for example, when can you find time? Podcasts are probably the most flexible or auditory learning. You can do that when you're working out, when you're walking, when you're driving in the car. If you like video, you can watch video at 1.5 or 2.x speed. YouTube actually has that built in. Most any online players you have are going to have that built in now. And there's all sorts of plugins for Chrome um, or Safari or whatever internet browser of choice you have to speed up videos. You can watch it quicker. And then reading books, I like to make the book work for me. So if you look at my books, they're highlighted, they're starred, they're notes inside of them, they're dog-eared. I dog-ear the top right page for things that are important and things that are absolutely critical, like the key points of the book, I dog-ear on the bottom. Um, so I can go back to a book and quickly just skim through and get all the key points very quickly. And there's apps out there like Readwise that take all your notes and consolidate them and spit them back out to you in an email form saying, hey, from this book, you highlighted this great passage from three years ago. Um, but you have to get into the habit of consuming quality information. And if you're watching the news, you're listening to the news, that's, that's where I would start. Um, and, and I'd be willing to bet you and I probably aren't up on every single current event, um, but we're happier because of it because we aren't tuned into all the news because the news is there to sell you. If it bleeds, it leads is the old saying. So how do you distance yourself from that and put good things into your mental gas tank? And if you're putting junk into your car, um, it's not going to run well. Same exact thing with your mind. So the people you surround yourself with, the things you're reading or listening or watching, try to put good things in and good things will come out. And now... A word from our sponsor. Hi, Connor Heaney here. In 2017, after feeling frustrated and underappreciated by our previous lens supplier, my practice started working with Seiko as our primary lens company, and we haven't looked back. The Seiko team are a joy to work with. They are extremely helpful and flexible to our needs, which means we can provide far better service to our clients at Jones & Coast Dialing Opticians. Our patients are delighted with the quality of vision they get from their Seiko lenses and for over four years now it's been an excellent and profitable partnership with Seiko for my practice. I can't recommend them highly enough. To receive a Seiko information pack including a special lens offer for podcast listeners, send an email to infouk at seikovision.com with the subject podcast. Find out how Seiko 
can help your practice the same way they help mine. Send an email to infouk at seikovision.com with the subject podcast. And I'm curious again, just to dig in a few of your habits. Are you, so for me, I normally have, well, I have like hundreds of books lying around everywhere that aren't read yet. So if I see a book that I think is interesting, order it and, you know, and so it's a bit of chance to which book I'm going to read when. But then I normally have, you know, five or six different books on the go at any one time. Some of them really catch my interest and I'll get through it really quickly and go through it twice. And like you said, I have loads of notes. Others might be a bit of hard going and I might bail out on, you know, do you, I think some people, when we're trained at school, you kind of think, okay, I have to read it from start to finish. And, you know, have you, what, what's your routines around, like, are you reading multiple books at the same time? Do you always finish a book? Do you pick them up, put them down? Any, any insights? You know, I, I, I used to be that same exact person, Connor, that I felt if I started a book, I owed it to the author to read the whole thing all the way through. And I'm not like that anymore. Um, I view... The book is there to be of service to the reader. And if that means, so if you pick my book up and you're like, boy, you know, I think, you know, chapter, chapter seven um, looks really interesting where I'm talking about, you know, this topic. It's like, great, skip to chapter seven and read that. Um, you know, oh, it's like, you know, the appendix looks really interesting. I want to read that. The book's there to serve you. And you have to get out of this. And again, I'm sure a lot of the people who you have on your podcast, after a lot of schooling, you get you know really hammered in your mind. You have to start things and finish things and walk through them in a logical progression. And it's hard to change that. And so making the book work for you. So some of my specific habits are, I will not hesitate to stop reading a book if it's not serving me, um, regardless of who recommended it. And I try to find classic books recommended by more than one person. So as opposed to you know the brand new Gary Vaynerchuk book on marketing, when social media, which is super current, you know, I'd prefer to read a classic um, on, you know, marketing or salesmanship or anything like that. Because a lot of the business things um, don't change over time. But um, I'm huge on habits, and and you and you brought that up, so I want to just chat about that real quick. Um, you know, the habit factor. A friend of mine wrote that book. It's a great book. Atomic Habits is a great book to learn about habits, but. We fundamentally are what our habits are and working to get really good quality habits is an art form and it's one of the most important things you can do. Um, I have an Apple watch which has these little rings on it and a couple of months ago I found this guy named David Goggins who's this crazy, uh, uh, cra a crazy inspiring guy on uh, Instagram and Facebook who's an ex-Navy SEAL and he's all about just, you know, get after it and work out. And I thought to myself, I have a, you know, a bigger birthday coming up here later this year and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to work out every single day. So I've worked out every day for I think almost 80 days now. Every ring on my Apple Watch completed in 80 days. And once you get that habit going and different books, you know, studies, 21 days for habit, 30 days, I've read 80 days, who knows? It's like the bottom line is I don't think there's one set rule on the habit. Depends on who you are and the habit you're looking to establish. But I'll tell you, once you get that chain going, whether that be working out, on your Peloton, I do that. I have a record going on there, working out on my Apple Watch, um, reading 10 pages every day, just little tiny wins. 
setting that daily habit, something you can do every day. One of my marketing mentors, Dan Kennedy, would always say, do one thing to market and move your business ahead every day. And I remember him saying, he said, I had this guy come up and say, well, Dan, you know, when your mom passed away, what'd you do? He said, I did my one marketing thing every day. And it's kind of a harsh way to look at things, but I'll tell you what, you get that habit going, it's extraordinarily powerful and it just builds on itself. That 1% better incremental is easy when you have a daily habit. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets easier in that you don't think about it. Like I don't really, I read a lot, but I don't really think that I read a lot. I just, I just do it. Um, so that's, right. that's yep. the beauty of the habit. What about, uh, just before we move on to marketing, because um, I think another aspect of what are you exposing yourself to in terms of what are you feeding your mind comes down to people. So, you know, can you talk a little bit about the power of role models or the power of mastermind groups, who you, who you associate with? Because I, I, I think that's part of you know, how you help your, your clients as well. It is. It's a, it's a monumentally important thing. Um, I have a, a high-end mastermind group that I run. Um, I'm in a couple of high-end mastermind groups myself. And a mastermind group, if you're not familiar, it's basically a, a board meeting, if you will, of peers, typically mostly business owners. Um, and I find the ones I like the most have a variety of people in them in different industries because you know, you're going to learn from people in your same space, but you're also going to learn from the guy that has you know, I had a guy in my mastermind had seven restaurants. So he's talking about completely different things. Um, but you learn and the more raw data you put into your mind, the better. And there's, you know, the, uh, the uh, phrase that we become the five people that we associate with the most. I think Jim Rohn originally was, was, was quoted with that. But a lot of truth to that. Um, if you're hanging around with people that have fleas, you're going to get fleas. So you're kind of stuck with family most of the time. So you have to be very diligent in who you choose to hang out with and, you know, um, you know, really be cognizant of that and aware of that and look at the people you're associating with. Are they lifting you up? Are they motivating or are they always talking about the news and politics or are they, you know, encouraging you to grow and change and get better and accomplish your goals or are they pulling you back down? And the nice thing nowadays is, you know, you can tune in and listen to this podcast while you're going about your day and you're hanging out with Henry and Connor now, you know, so, so it doesn't always have to be physically in person. You can do, there's all sorts of great online communities now you can be a part of, um, but get yourself around people that lift you up. One of the most important things you can do. Yeah. And uh, just as you mentioned that the the books fit in that category as well. I think what a book is, is normally somebody that's got something really valuable to share that may have taken 20 years, 30 years, and they condense it into something you can read and get the highlights off in three hours. So, you know, it's a really good deal. You get to hang out with with some really cool, successful, interesting people through through the books you read as well. Uh, I love it. Just one fun thing that I want to share on that front, Connor, is which I think some people might like, some people might seem it, uh, think that it's a little bit odd. But one of the things that I did, um, a friend of mine, very, very successful, very successful recommended is to have a virtual board meeting for yourself where you pick whoever you want and you basically go into your mind and you have a virtual board meeting. So, and you can literally go around and he has like Abraham Lincoln in his board meeting. So he goes around and, and, um, and I've done this a couple of times. I haven't done it as much as I should, uh, to be honest, but the one time I did, and I was really into, I like 
put myself into you know meditative state and did it. And people were arguing amongst each other about what I should do from their point of view. <clears throat> it was fascinating. So, you know, if you're if you're in the business of optometry and you listen to enough of Connor's podcast, they're going to know your voice and probably what you'd say most of the time to take the right action. And so then you can literally go. So it's called the theater of the mind, if you will. You kind of create a virtual theater in your mind or boardroom. And, and, and it's exercising your imagination, which none of us do. We don't play make-believe anymore. And I heard it. And I'm like, this is the silliest, dumbest idea I've ever heard. And I tried it. I'm like, wow, this is pretty darn effective. And uh, so you can literally talk to whoever you want. You want Einstein in there. You want Abe Lincoln. You want Jesus in there. You want a political figure from the past or, you know, whatever. Um, really neat idea. Uh, and something just to just to throw it out there is kind of a fun thing that might that might yeah. resonate with a few folks to give it a try. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think with that, so much of as well, I think of my journey and growing my practice is just it's so easy to, you know, poo-poo an idea or be skeptical. Oh, that's ridiculous. What are you talking about? But I find the most successful people are like, well, it's worth a try. Let's give it a go. See what happens. So, um, and yeah, sometimes you're pleasantly surprised when you try these things that are a little bit out there. That's right. Yep. Sounds good. We could you could you could have uh, Abe, Abe Lincoln along to maybe one of your beach days as well. Bring him along for the party. There you go. <laughs> I like it. I I like your thought process there. I love it. Cool. Um, okay, so let's talk about marketing. Um, the obviously your book is the one hour the hour a day entrepreneur, but a huge chunk of it is about marketing. And obviously, if you're only spending one hour a day on your business, marketing is a really great place to, to invest it. But I, I think for, a, I'll, I'll just kind of give my view on how a lot of optometrists think about marketing and maybe just try and shift it a little bit and then ask a question to you. But, so as optometrists, we go to school to learn to be an optometrist. We don't go to school because we're really into marketing. We go because we're into optometry, we wanna help people, you know, that we're scientists. Uh, yeah optometrists, opticians, there's laws of science, there's laws of medicine, biology, physics. Um, so we're quite logical people. And I think for, a, for anyone listening to this that doesn't really get their head around marketing, if you just think logically about it, it, it's, it makes so much sense. It's like, well, it's just thinking about what do our clients, what do our patients really care about? Thinking about how do you act when you're choosing a business? Um, and the, the really powerful thing is there is a whole science behind marketing. There's a, even a book, uh, one of the classics you mentioned by Claude Hopkins, Scientific Advertising. So there's a science, science to marketing. Um, and once you get into psychology, you know, a great book, The Psychology of Influence by Professor Robert Cialdini. Dan Kennedy, you mentioned, uh, he, he talks about marketing is simply psychology plus maths. Um, so there is a whole science to it, and that's kind of what I became fascinated by when I, when I first understood it. And there's a lot you can dive into. I think it's the most interesting part of business. It's really getting to the core of how do human beings think, and if you if you do a better job of that, you can better serve them. So you know, marketing to me is you know one of the most important things because it allows you to help more people. That's um, right. But where where to start? Any any advice for? someone that's just getting going on trying to get their head around marketing? Well, the first thing you have to convince yourself of is that, you know, marketing is important. And, you know, if you convince yourself of that, then as the owner and steward of your business, you, you, you 
at some level realize you have to get good at marketing. And what a lot of people default to, Connor, is they say, well, great, well, I'm going to find somebody to do all my marketing for me. And if only it was that easy. Um, marketing agencies that don't do a good job, advertising agencies that don't do a good job are a, literally a dime a dozen. So you you have to understand pieces of marketing in order to grow your business. It's just It's just a fundamental thing, especially nowadays. And just to define, so I look at marketing as the things you do, the activities that bring interested people in, leads, prospects, whatever phrase you like. And then salesmanship is how you convert those leads or prospects into customers, clients, patients, members, whatever your your language is, probably patients for most people on this call. So, so you know, marketing and sales go hand in hand. And all the marketing is, is how do you generate interest? And ideally, you want to get people to raise their hand saying, yeah, I'd like to learn more about what it is that you do. And... Um, one of the things that I learned a long time ago, one of the most valuable things is if you can put out information that talks about the problem solved by your product or service, that's a great way to go. So let's just say that I'm selling LASIK as an example. So I'm selling how people can see better. So put out information about LASIK, about you know how to select a LASIK doctor, about the pros and cons of doing LASIK, um, how long it lasts stories of people that did it, um, you know, how, how easy it was, how life-changing it was, you know, putting out information that talks about, again, this problem that you solve, which is I can't see very well. Um, and, you know, learning advertising, understanding advertising, both online and offline. I mean, there's so many resources now. When I first started doing this stuff, it was very difficult. But, um, but nowadays, you can find all sorts of places online to learn about these types of skills. You can find people that can do some of it for you, but you really want to understand marketing. I personally think it's the most valuable skill you can have as a business owner, um, very closely tied with hiring and managing great people. So mm-hmm. yeah, marketing, is just, it's just critical. And you have to think of yourself as a marketer of your business. It's interesting, the phraseology that you use, where I'm sure when you started, it's like, I'm an optometrist. I'm a doctor. That's what I do. And now you think of yourself as a business owner and a marketer and a manager. So fundamentally, you've 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 made that shift, and it's probably very inspiring to people to see that. And it should be. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, start reading some books on marketing. Read that Claude Hopkins book. Wonderful book. Start learning. I think you'll find. And you said something, Connor, that's very insightful, and I want to make sure to point it out in case anybody missed it that that you kind of said, and you were alluding to the fact you fell in love with the science of marketing. It is very science-driven. So if you have the kind of mind that can become an, opto- that can become an optometrist, most likely your mind is going to be able to learn and appreciate marketing very much the same way. And I can tell you right now, it's a hundred times easier than optometry, a <laughs> hundred times easier. So not only can you learn it, it's a heck of a lot easier. It doesn't require going to school for years and years too. So, yeah. And, and I think to get good enough at it isn't, you know, that's within everybody's reach. Um, Agreed. You know, most practices are not, most people aren't. Uh, competent at marketing they're doing what they see everyone else doing they're sending out most practices are sending out the same old messages you know if if you go and look at 10 different optometry practices websites they pretty much all say the exact same thing which doesn't 
help you differentiate or attract or get someone's attention or get someone's interest versus if you understand the principles of what you're doing, then everything just clicks and makes sense. And you can, you can understand, okay, I get why this makes sense about why I should offer some information around the problems that we're helping people solve. Um, so yeah, it just, it opens your eyes to how to be more effective. So marketing done the right way rather than just doing the same as everything else we see um, approach to it. Yeah, anything that can stand out and be different or unique and marketing at its core really should answer the question, why should I choose you instead of any other option available, including doing nothing? So in that same LASIK example, okay, why should I do LASIK at all is kind of the first thing you need to talk about. And then why should I do it with you? And having good answers to that um, and the shortcut around all of that is ask your current patients. Why did you choose to come here? What did you like about our practice? What was it that we did differently or uniquely from other people that you talked to? And you might be very surprised at the answer. I mean, sometimes I've had people build whole businesses on the fact that you actually followed up the same day and were very prompt and got me a quote the same day. And it was professional and I didn't feel like I was getting pulled in different directions. Great, then your whole thing might be crystal clear, fast communication and we treat you like family. You can build a whole business off of a, a, a simple, unique selling proposition just like that. Yeah, and it is very simple as well. I, I've got two kids, two boys. Um, they're, well, they're nine, 11 now. But often, you know, if we're out visiting somewhere, walking around some shops, I'll ask them, what do you think of that shop? And they'll tell me, oh, it doesn't look very good. And I'm like, why not? Well, you know, the, the sign looks really dated. It's, the paint's not very good. I don't want to go in there. Um, so it's like really obvious stuff if we just stop and think and ask, like literally even a kid can tell you, oh, that looks really interesting. Well, that doesn't look interesting and here's why. So it's... Um, Couldn't yeah, agree just... more. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I always think of the uh, the Christmas story with Ebenezer Scrooge where he had the Scrooge and Marley sign and he never took Marley off the sign. And yeah, it's like, and if you haven't had somebody secret shop your business, especially if you if you run uh, if you run a practice... Have somebody secret shop your business and come in and just write down observations from the get-go. I'm amazed. I did a lot of consulting and work with a very high-end cosmetic dentist in La Jolla, California. And he had this ugly clipboard that every doctor's office, I don't know where you guys get those, just this ugly brown clipboard that he threw in your face when you came in with Xerox cruddy copies. And I'm like, what is this? He said, what? He said, everybody does that. I said, exactly. Everybody does that. What can you do different? And so we literally mapped out and it's called choreographing, if you will. So we choreographed the whole process. When you walk in, the receptionist would walk around the counter, come up and shake your hand and say hello and say, thank you so much for being here. Um, can I get you a drink? And they had a little bar with a little Nespresso machine and tea and, you know, sodas and waters. All, actually, I don't think they had sodas because they were dentists, but, you know, all sorts of drinks that were non-sugary. Um, and then she would basically give them an iPad to fill out the form. And so it was very easy. Or they could sit down at a computer and fill it out. They had a computer there if you preferred to type it. So you don't even have to write if you don't want to. And... They And again, just, just one other thing to share in this too, Connor, is really neat. So um, after they did that, we choreographed the walk down the hall 
to the different rooms. And I had him get these huge blown up gorgeous photos in black and white of some of his patients. And he has some famous patients too. So you'd walk down the hall and you'd see these testimonials with these gorgeous smiles, basically saying, this guy's good enough, I got my smile fixed here. This guy's good enough, I got my smile fixed here. As you walk down and we scripted out what to say, pointing at a couple of them so it looked like it was kind of ad hoc. And it's amazing how their close rate went up in doing those things. So, you know, just to take it back to what you're saying, which is what can you do differently? And the example with your kids, I do the same thing. I have I have two girls. They're they're older now. They're in their in their late teens, but I do the same thing. It's like, what do you think about this business? What are they doing well? What are they not doing well? How do you feel when you go in here? What's the feeling? You can add some plants and some nice colors and some nice music and nice lighting and completely change the feel of your reception area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that, and it is all marketing. All of this is marketing as well. That's, yep. that's kind of a key distinction. Um, so yeah, my kids put up with me. My wife doesn't, she doesn't like going out for dinner with me. She's like, will you just shut up and let me finish my meal? I don't want to know. How <laughs> <you> <laughs> well, Connor, you come out to, uh, you come out to San Diego. We'll go out for a bite and, uh, we can, we can pick apart some, uh, pick yeah. apart some restaurants. Cause I'm, I mean, I love doing it too. I mean, and it's, yeah, it's, We're I on think the it's same fun. <laughs> um, okay. So, um, last question. Uh, just to talk about execution as well, because I, I think another hurdle for people is you see something being done really well and you try it the first time and it doesn't, you know, it's not very good. But I don't know about you, but in my journey, starting with marketing or starting with improving my practice or starting with my time management or starting to lead my team in a different way, I wasn't very good at it in the beginning. And most of those right. things, um, and, you know, I think the, the, the trick, trick was to stick with it and keep going and you know um that's where the the result the results come at near the end they don't come at the very start but um is that a similar experience for you or is there anything you would say to people where okay i like these ideas i'm gonna try it i try it once it's not great results doesn't you know i didn't get it it didn't work very well and then how do you find the courage to keep going yeah, that's a, that's a very insightful and great question. I want to give a, a fun story that illustrates that. So there's a woman named Sarah Blakely, which some people may or may not have heard of. And she founded a company called Spanx, which is kind of women's undergarments that shape shape your rear and stuff like that. That's, that's about the extent of what I know about it. Um, but she's the first female self-made billionaire, which is extraordinarily impressive. And she started this with $5,000 and a red backpack. And her dad, when she was growing up, and this just hit me so strongly when I first heard the story. I'm like, wow, that's that's it. Her dad would ask them when they got home from school, he would say, what did you fail at today? And if they didn't have anything that they had failed at, he was disappointed in them. So she learned from a very early age that failure was not trying things. And failure for them was a part of the growth process and it was a good thing. So therefore, trying something that didn't work is something that should be rewarded instead of punished. And if you think about school, and especially if you're an optometrist, obviously you've done a lot more school than most people who just have a bachelor's degree like I do. Um, And so changing that mindset that, you know, failure, it's like 
you're not going to hurt anybody. This isn't like when you're operating on an eye and it's like you can like do some real damage there. I mean, there you want to keep your level of perfection. That's a good thing. But when you're dealing with marketing, you want to fail. Those are called tests. And so chained it. So there has to be a mindset shift. And I just always go back to Sarah Blakely because it just, it's so profound to me that she so internalized this idea of trying things out and failing at them and falling on her face that she turned that mindset into being the first female self-made billionaire in the history of the planet, which is just beyond impressive to me. So flipping that mindset around and being like, you will fail at marketing. You will fail at changing your sales process. You will fail at learning a new skill. And that's perfectly okay. And as a matter of fact, it's to be expected. Um, And you can look at your children if you have them or nieces, nephews, friends, kids. Um, If we all stopped how we do as adults, none of us would know how to walk. Because you look at how many times kids fail when they walk um, and they're learning how to do that. So the same kind of thing applies to us. And, it, you know, be, be forgiving and understanding to yourself as you're learning these, these, these new skills, but understand that that's, that's part of, part of the process is, is you need to fall down and nobody does anything good the first time. Mm-hmm. It's have to yeah. keep that in mind always. Yeah. That's a great story to end on. And yeah, it's definitely, it is part of the, part of the process. Um, so thank you so much for your for your time, Henry. Is there anywhere you would send our listeners to get your book or to find out more about you and your work? Sure. So um, you can find the book online just at Amazon. Uh, they have copies of it there. And then um, I have a, a bunch of different sites, but probably the best one is uh, uh, Get Clear Marketing, which is my, my business's name. So it's uh, just www.getclearmarketing.com. And uh, you can actually get a free uh, digital version of the book on there as well um, if you're interested. Or you can just buy it online wherever you buy, buy books. But that's a, that's a great place to kind of learn, learn more. And um, yeah, I mean, I hope this was helpful. I super appreciate chatting with you. And it's, uh, it's admirable what you've done, not only in becoming an entrepreneur and a business owner, but in sharing your wealth and knowledge, Connor, I mean, it's just awesome. I mean, I can imagine how many people you inspire and uh, yeah, very, very honored to be a part of the call. And hopefully this, this uh, helps some folks. Yeah. Thank you very much, Henry. It's been great. And I, and I think for everyone listening, for me, again, the main takeaways from Henry's book is no matter how time strapped you are, you can always find a little and the three big areas for me to invest that is learning, continued learning, Time management and constantly working on that and marketing. And if you if you kind of you know commit to spending more time in those areas, you can't help but uh, succeed. So uh, thanks for for a great conversation, Henry. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We'll talk again soon. Sounds good. You've been listening to another episode of the Optical Entrepreneur. If you've enjoyed today's program, please share us with a friend. Visit theopticalentrepreneur.com where you can get additional free resources to help you and your team build a better business. If you're serious about taking your practice to the next level, consider signing up for Optical Success Academy membership and the Look Over My Shoulder marketing program, which you can find out more about at theopticalentrepreneur.com. Thanks for listening. Make it a great month, and I'll see you right here next time on The Optical Entrepreneur.